So friends, our scripture reading this morning comes from James chapter 2, verses 14 through 19. What good is it, my siblings, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister or a sibling of yours is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Friends, let's pray. Holy, holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of each and every one of our hearts collectively be acceptable in your sight. For you, O God, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Faith by itself, if it is accompanied by action, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. That's what James says. And those are some of the more fighting words straight out of our reading this scripture morning. And if you've been here in worship with us during the month of September, you know that we've been talking a lot about Sabbath. We've been tracing the roots of Sabbath in our faith looking at how Jesus himself in his ministry and in his life practiced these rhythms of rest and retreat and renewal in his own ministry. And throughout the month, I've been having a lot of individual conversations with you all about your own Sabbath practices, what's been working for you, what feels challenging, what thoughts and feelings are coming up as you try to incorporate different practices of Sabbath into your week. And just last week, we got down to some real nuts and bolts of how self-care is a part of crafting long-term sustainable Sabbath. And we talked about the science of habits and how we can harness that research in order to help us make Sabbath a long-term sustainable part of our lives. And so here's the deal this morning. Here is the reason why I chose these kind of stinging words from James for us to hear this morning as the end of our Sabbath unit. After talking about how important Sabbath is for you and for me and for your relationship with God and the holy and the sacred in your life and for my relationship with God and the holy and the sacred in my life, I'm going to bank on the fact that I have convinced at least a few of you of the importance of Sabbath. So this morning, I'm going to challenge you with these words from James, egging you forward to think about how if Sabbath is critical for you and for me and for your well-being and for my well-being, is it not critical for everyone's well-being? Is it not critical for all people? Because if it is not, in fact, frivolous time, but rather crucial, like air and water, like a cozy sweater on a cool fall day, like an open window with a breeze on a summer's day, like a drink when you're thirsty and bread when you're hungry. If Sabbath is like that, not a personal preference, but rather a part of health and life, critical to your functioning and your flourishing, crucial to your relationship with the divine, is that not for everyone? So I'm going to challenge you right now. I want you to take a moment right now and think about who it is in your life. And for some of you, I know that the answer is you. Who in your life does not practice a rhythm of rest and renewal in their week? 
but desperately needs it. Who needs Sabbath and isn't having it? So I'm going to take a second of silence here. Let's think about who that is in your life. I want you to hold a picture of that person in your mind for the rest of the service because that is who I'm going to challenge you to see about how you might be in relationship with further this week. So friends, who decides who deserves access to Sabbath? What factors do we think determine who among our society receive the opportunity and the privilege to experience Sabbath and who do not? Are some people more worthy of that seventh day of rest and time with self and the sacred? The thing about looking into our faith critically and thinking about spiritual practices, which is basically how your faith becomes more than these thoughts and these cerebral um, ideas in your head, but actual practice in how you live. The more that we dive into spiritual practices, such as keeping Sabbath, that are the building blocks of a lived out Christian faith, the thing is that sooner or later, you will run up, each of us will run up into an issue of justice. Because justice is intricately linked to worthiness, and our Christian faith has a lot to do with a claim that all are worthy. So this morning, I wonder who is worthy of Sabbath? Because is it not a natural extension of our Christian practice of Sabbath to advocate that all people should have access to rest? Is it not a part of our Christian practice of Sabbath not to impose the nuances of how each of us individually practices our Sabbath, but to advocate that all people ought to have time to simply be, rather than to always produce, always earn, always work, always prove their worthiness? God who created all things, that God, that God that we come here to church to worship, that God rested, didn't always work. And Jesus, who we follow specifically as Christians and who was here on earth doing this really critical, crucial ministry, that Jesus, he rested too. We've been reading about him resting all month. He didn't always work. So what example are we following? One of nonstop work in an effort to prove our worth or one patterned after the God-ordained rhythms of work and rest, activity and stillness. Because if that is important to each of us, if it is not frivolous, if it is in fact crucial, is it not important to make sure that others have access to that time as well? Is that not a deed one James from this morning would appreciate akin to feeding the hungry? So what do you think it is that's standing in the way of others having access to Sabbath time? And when you think about that person who's in your mind this morning, what is it that's standing in their way? Is it debt? Is it a job that doesn't pay a living wage? Is it a need for childcare or elder care or companionship? Is it a sense of unworthiness? What do you think is standing in the way of your friend or neighbor having time for Sabbath? And how can you reach out and help? Because if we have faith in God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the workings of all three when we slow down and engage in the practice of Sabbath, if we actually believe that something is happening there, we had better turn that faith into an action that cares for others. Because James says, faith without action is dead. So what action are you going to take? What action will you take to help others have the Sabbath that they need? And I'm not talking about going out and forcing your particular Sabbath practice on some unsuspecting person. 
Because let me tell you, if Susie next door doesn't like to garden for eight hours in a row, that is not going to feel like Sabbath to invite her to join you to do that. I'm talking about becoming aware of the personal and the systemic factors that get in the way of people being able to engage in holy rhythms of work and rest. And once you become aware, I invite you to pray on it and then to act. What can you do to break down the barriers and spread access to the spiritual practice of Sabbath to more people? And I want you to really think about this this week, and I'm going to give you one suggestion that is a general number one strategy that we can all do, and then as you think about this person in your life, figure out what's going to work in that relationship. But strategy number one is this. Stop apologizing for when you engage in Sabbath. Name it as what it is, time for you and time for God. Stop apologizing for practicing your faith. You claiming that time and space to renew your relationship with your creator will, in fact, embolden others to do the same. If you stop apologizing, you will make it safe for them to stop apologizing. So that's my starting suggestion for you, and I want to hear from you over the next few weeks about what other strategies are working for you to help others access Sabbath in their lives. So our scriptures are pretty clear that there are no asterisks, that the commandment to rest and to reconnect and to reinitiate relationship with God is not a suggestion, and it is not accompanied by a list of requirements that are prerequisites to Sabbath. So I leave you with this, a reminder that Christ has no other hands but ours, no other voice but ours, no other heartbeat but ours, So please, as Christ's church, take what you know to be helpful and life-changing in your life, the spiritual practice of Sabbath, of rest, and make those practices available to others. So look in the mirror when you wake up tomorrow. Remember your baptism. Remember that you, the people, are the church, that you are who the holy energy of the world called into being, called into fullness of life, called into service, called into faith. So what are you going to do with it? What will you do with that faith? What actions will that faith compel you to do? Because faith without actions are dead, says James. So how will you help others access Sabbath in their own lives? How will you turn your faith into an actionable faith, a living faith? Amen.